remember a moment about eight or nine years ago, Sydney and I, we went through this really challenging season in our faith. And I'm sure we've all had moments like this, whether you were aware of it or not. It was, it was a tough season of stretching for us. Um, the only way I know how to say it, if we had more time and if we were one-on-one, I'd give you all the details. Um, it was nothing between us in our marriage, but in the context of our marriage, what we were experiencing was a lot of discomfort, a lot of uncertainty, a, a number of things that we had not encountered before. And the, the way that I would kind of classify that season was before we got to that season, all of the things that seemed to be good and easy and fruitful suddenly were no longer that easy, no longer were that fruitful, no longer felt that good. And so we went through this season that was really challenging. It was disorienting. Um, If I'm being really candid, I don't know that I would have said it in the season, but as I look back on it, we were um, confused. Like, God, how come these things aren't working anymore? How come this doesn't feel good anymore? Um, We started asking questions like, okay, God, are we doing something wrong? And is this our punishment? Have you ever had one of those moments before where something's not working and you're like, okay, Father, are you punishing me right now? And although we were not perfect, I remember in that season just really discerning and we thought, okay, I don't think there's any like unrepentant sin that's lingering. We couldn't name it, but in that whole season, one of the, the instincts of our hearts where we found ourselves looking for noble escapes. And I don't know if you've ever looked for a noble escape before, but the way that I'd classify a noble escape is where you're looking for a way out that is not sinful. So we weren't trying to escape in a sinful way, but we were, we were looking for ways out that would allow us to save face with our friends while holding on to our righteousness. And it was just, it was a weird, weird season. And I'm not sure how long we were in it, but I remember at one point calling a friend of mine who's about 30 years older. He's been a mentor, just an amazing dude. He's from England, so he has a really cool accent. So every, every time he gives me advice, it feels more spiritual just because he sounds so awesome. And if you've ever had a British friend, you know that they're not like Tennesseans. They don't give you a compliment, tell you a hard thing, and then wash it down with another compliment. Like, he just comes out of the gate with the hard stuff, and, and he's like, we'll fix it later if we need to. But, so I take like 20 minutes, and I'm just unloading on the phone. Here's everything that we're feeling in this season. Here's what's going on. And I get to the end of that conversation, me doing the talking, and I'll never forget his response. I finish talking, and he just starts laughing. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, this is like counseling 101. You don't laugh at your friends, like when, when they share their pain. And he laughs, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, oh, brother, I know exactly what's happening to you. And I'm like, okay, tell me. He said, you, my friend, are being pruned by God. Now, I'll just tell you, in no way did I feel comforted. Um, in fact, I'm like, you can take your British accent and your fish and chips, and uh, <laughs> you, you can, I'll tell you what you can do with those things. I just, but I don't know if you ever had one of these moments where somebody tells you something and you understand the words that are coming out of their mouth, but you have no idea what it actually means for your life. And he said, you, my friend, are being pruned by God. And I'm like, okay, I know that you're referring to John 15, but I grew up in the city, I don't have a clue what pruning even is. <laughs> like, like, what does that mean and how is that supposed to come for me? And he goes on and he tells me, he's like, and your response to the Father's pruning is so important if you wanna experience all that God has made you in Sydney for, not just in this season, but in the decades that are to come. He says, how you respond, you don't need to run in this moment, you don't need to build up a heart of offense or resistance, 
He goes, you need to know how to respond in the midst of a season of pruning in order for you to get all that God wants to do in you and through you. And it was one of those moments where God began using that season in my life to teach me some things about life with Jesus that I had no framework for up until that moment of enduring a season of extended pain. Now, um, a few things that I wanna say real quickly. Most of us have been trained, whether we know this or not, most of us have been trained to believe that God is in the business of removing bad things from our lives in order for us to experience more of God's goodness. So if, and that's true by the way. Like if I stood up here this morning and said, hey, God is serious about removing every bit of sin, every bit of distraction, every bit of uh, um, uh, like misaligned priorities, from your life so you can have a life that looks more like Jesus, you'd go, of course, amen, I understand that. But pruning is something I believe that's altogether different than that. In fact, here's the definition that I'd use whenever we talk about pruning this morning. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Father's loving intervention or involvement in your life to remove something good in order to make room for something greater. I'm gonna read that again. Pruning is not just the Father trying to get bad things out of your life so that your life can look more like Jesus. Pruning is the Father's loving involvement in your life to remove good things in order to make room for even greater things. And I'm just telling you, when this begins to happen, it is disorienting, it's confusing, it's frustrating, it feels outside of the character of God as most of us understand the character of God. And if you're not careful, that misunderstanding leads to bitterness and offense because you go, why in the world would God ever touch something good and remove it in order to make room for something greater? I remember up until that season in my life, I can't ever remember somebody talking to me about the Father's work of pruning. I'm sure they did. I just don't remember those conversations. I'm sure somebody tried to help me get it. I just don't remember getting it. But this is one of the keys of walking with Jesus as a disciple in the context of our real lives. And so this morning, we're gonna lean into this idea of pruning. What does it look like when the Father puts his hands on your life to gently remove good things in order to make room for the even greater things of his love and his life and his character and his fullness being produced in you. And so we've been working through John 15 really slowly over the last couple of weeks. Maybe you remember the setting. It's Jesus has been with his disciples for three years. He's been pouring into them. They've seen amazing things. And then they come to that moment in John 13. We talked about this a few weeks ago. It was the Last Supper. He knew it was the Last Supper. They had no clue it was the Last Supper. And Jesus gives them some really challenging words in the midst of that Last Supper. Maybe you remember this. He goes, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm getting ready to be taken away. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. You're all gonna betray me. I'm not abandoning you. He's, he's talking through all of these things. And then at the end of John 14, it says they get up from the table, they leave the upper room, 
They're walking on this moonlit night around the western side of the old city of Jerusalem, down around the Temple Mount, down into the valley of Kidron. And maybe you remember, they walk into the midst of these vineyards as they're getting ready to go up to the very place where Jesus was gonna spend the night praying before he was arrested and beaten and crucified for the sins of the world. So they find themselves standing in this beautiful vineyard. I just want you to picture you're with Jesus and you're standing and as far as the eye can see, there's these vineyards. And Jesus knows their hearts are disoriented and confused and he says, I wanna give you a picture to help you understand what's happening right now and a picture that will help you understand what's going to keep coming. Let's read John chapter 15. We're gonna go through verses one through eight together and we're gonna come back and dig in to verse two for the rest of our time. Jesus looks at them and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch in me or some of your Bibles say he lifts up or he removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So here the disciples are, they walk out into this vineyard, their hearts are overwhelmed with grief. And they're there in the midst of this vineyard and Jesus says, there's a lot of vines out here in this vineyard. He goes, but I want you to understand that I'm the the true vine. And the vine is referring to that big kind of gnarly trunk that comes out of the ground, out of that dirt, that big wooden piece. And then he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. The branches are those little skinny pieces that come off of the vine. And he goes, and you were designed to bear much fruit The fruit is the the life of Jesus, the character of Jesus, the ways of Jesus that come about in the life of a disciple as they stay closely connected to the vine. And he says, and my father is the gardener and it is his job in various seasons to put his hands on your life, to prune you so that your life will bear the harvest of fruit that you were designed to produce. He says, this is part of what the Father lovingly does. Now, uh, maybe as we talk about pruning this morning, you feel like I did years ago when my friend started using that phrase. I'm like, I don't even have a concept for it because I grew up in the city. Like, I need a different metaphor. But I believe the disciples of Jesus, they would have understood the imagery that Jesus was giving them. They would have understood the context. Pruning was something that would happen in a vineyard, typically in the months of January or February, which is interesting every year. We fast this time of year. It's also one of the times of the year where it seems like the father does the most pruning in my life. But the gardener would go out into the vineyard in January or February, typically because the leaves would all fall off and he had a better view of what was happening on each of the vines. 
He'd go in and, and pruning typically kind of happened in a number of ways. Sometimes pruning would mean the gardener would come down and he would take a branch that had fallen into the dirt and he would lift it up and he would clean it off so that the bugs couldn't eat away at it anymore. This is why in the next verse, Jesus uses this word to be cleaned. It's the same image of pruning. It's a type of pruning that happens. And so one of the things that the gardener would do is he goes into the vineyard and he picks up the vines that have gotten down in the dirt and he cleans them off. That's part of pruning. Another thing that he would do is sometimes after he would clean them off, he would tie the weaker branches up against a stronger branch in order for it to gain strength and refreshment from the life of another branch as they were both connected to the vine. That's an interesting image for me in community. But undoubtedly, in the season of pruning, one of the things that the gardener would do is he would clean, he would lift, he would tie up, and then he would cut back. Everything that had been fruitful in the season previously in order for it to bear more abundant fruit in the season ahead. And here's what's so important for you to understand about pruning is that pruning was not about getting rid of all of the bad things. Pruning was about cutting back the good things so they had more room for great things. Giving more space for sunlight and water and refreshment. And this was the, the imagery that Jesus gives the disciples in the midst of their heartache. He goes, he goes, hey guys, I want you to understand, I'm the vine, you're the branches, the Father is the gardener, as you abide in me, you're gonna bear fruit, but one of the things that he is going to do to bring about more fruitfulness in your life is he is going to bring you through seasons of pruning where he removes the good in order to make room for the great. And if your heart does not understand this, when it happens, you will be really offended. And if you're not careful, you'll build resistance from the, against the Lord. You'll run against the things that God is doing in your life or trying to do and he goes, I don't want you to miss the Father's character in all of this. And so here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to stick in verse 2 for the most part. But I just want to talk about five principles of what it means to be practically pruned by the Father. What it, what it means for his loving attention to be directed at your life so you can bear more fruit in the season ahead. And for some of you, this will be like right into the season that you're in right now. For every one of us, it will be something that will come over and over and over again as you live as a disciple. And so if you take notes, the first thing that I want to just uh, kind of mark in our hearts as we think about pruning is pruning is a part of every Christian's journey with Jesus. Pruning is a key part of every Christian's journey with Jesus. Pruning is not just something that happens to some people. It's not just something that happens to like the super spiritual, like they've got to go overseas and do something awesome and write a book about it. It's like, it's not just for the leaders. It's not just for, you know, the, the, the really serious disciple. Pruning is a key part of life in the vineyard under the loving care of the vine dresser. It's a key part of every Christian story. Look back at verse two with me. I want you to just see a few key parts from this passage. He cuts off every branch in me, listen to this, that bears no fruit while every, every, do you know what the word every means in the original language? It means every, every single disciple. Now here, here's what's key to me about verse two. There's a distinction, I believe, 
this is my opinion. I think it's right. You can test me on it. I think there's a difference between what Jesus is talking about in verse two and in verse six. In verse six, I believe Jesus is talking about the reality of judgment against a person's life when they refuse to walk in Jesus, uh, obey Jesus, stay committed to Jesus, surrender to Jesus. He says, if that is the constant posture of your heart, one day you will be thrown away into the fire forever. He talks about future judgment in verse six. Verse two, I do not believe is talking about judgment both now or in the future. Look back at verse two. He's talking about the father's loving attention towards the life of his believer. Look at this. He says, he cuts off or cleans up or lifts up every branch in me, in me, in me. He's, he's talking to disciples here. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's going, if you're in me, there's gonna be different seasons of fruitfulness. In, in other words, it's possible to be saved but not be very fruitful. So he's not talking about salvation here. He goes, you're in me. He goes, but the Father wants to do something in your life to bring about more abundant fruit. He's gonna prune every Christian. Pruning is a part of life in Jesus in the context of the vineyard, every Christian life. Let me make a quick distinction for us this morning because next week we're gonna talk about the other side of this coin, okay? But I want you to hear this this morning. There's a difference between seasons where you're being punished for your rebellion and seasons where you're being pruned for your righteousness. What's the difference between being punished and being pruned? I'll, I'll say this simply. Punishment is where you receive the Father's loving attention because you're doing something wrong and he wants you to stop. Pruning is where you receive the Father's loving attention because you're doing something right and he wants to bring about more righteousness. Punishment comes because you've done something wrong. Pruning comes because you're doing something right. And that's what makes it so confusing. <laughs> You see how your heart can get offended and turn against the Lord? You're going, but God, like I'm doing what you made me to do. And he goes, exactly. And the Father loves you and he's got more for you than what you're leaning into right now. And some of you are going, man, if you have friends like that. <laughs> but this is part of life in the vineyard. Now here's what makes it so confusing. Seasons of punishment in seasons of pruning initially feel the same because they come to us usually through the channel of pain. It hurts. It stings. God, why? That's why Sydney and I were so disoriented eight or nine years ago. We were going, I thought we were doing all the right things. I, I thought we were obeying your will, God. Like, like what is going on? And it took an older brother going, I know exactly what's happening. You're being pruned. Don't run. Don't resist. Don't let your heart get offended. Stay right where you are because Jesus has more for you. He's got more. And if we don't understand, we'll, we'll talk about the discipline side of it next week. But we're talking about the pruning side. Of it. If you don't understand that this is a part of every Christian life, that sometimes when you're doing the right thing, the Father puts his hands on you to remove something good in order to bring something great. And sometimes when he puts his hands on 
on those things, it begins to hurt. Second principle that I want you to hold on to is that all pain in your life is not the result of pruning. All painful things are not the result of pruning, but all pruning is painful. Does that, does that make sense? All pain in your life is not the result of the Father's pruning, but all pruning does feel painful. Look back at verse two. Yes, he cleans. Yes, he lifts, but he also cuts. He cuts away. He takes away. And man, that, that hurts. That stings. Guys, there's a lot of pain that we're, that's being experienced right now in this room. If you've tuned me out, I'm, I'm telling you, this is why I, I need the Holy Spirit. Look, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me right now. If you've tuned me out, I need you to hear the Lord as clearly as possible. There's gonna be mountain loads of pain that come into your life that are not from the Father's hand and it's not about Him pruning you. All sorts of pain that's gonna come in. Now, in His goodness, even though he was not the source of the pain, he can redeem the pain to bring about righteousness in your life. Does that make sense? He wasn't the source of that pain. Like, I don't believe the Father is in the business of punishing random people in your life so that you'll bear a harvest of righteousness. I remember in that season where I was so disoriented and my friend said, you're getting pruned by the Father. All of a sudden I thought, oh no, man, what's he gonna do to my kids? What's he gonna do to my wife? What's he gonna do to my loved ones? There's this fear in me. And Jesus is going, no boys, I don't want you to be scared. I just want you to understand, this is his loving attention uh, on your life. And there's gonna be lots of pain that comes into your life, pain that comes because of your sin some of you are experiencing pain right now because you sinned and you're just feeling the consequences of it. Some of you are experiencing pain because of somebody else's sin. Some of you are experiencing pain because we live in a broken world that has not been fully redeemed yet and that's part of life in the current season that we're in. All pain is not pruning, but pruning always feels painful. And in every season, when that pain begins to manifest, you just have to stop and go, okay, Father, I really need you to thread the needle here so I know your character. I really need your help here. Because this comes in every Christian's life. And although all pain is not pruning, all pruning does feel painful. And here's the reason it feels painful. Third principle is because pruning always happens towards the core of your life and your identity. The vine dresser doesn't prune out on the end of the branches. <laughs> he comes in towards the core. If you've ever pruned a bush, you don't prune the last leaf on the end, you come down towards the core. You get as close to the core as you can without killing the bush. And this is what makes the Father's attention on those good things in our life feel so challenging because he typically puts his hand against the things that are so close to the core of who we think we were designed to be in the first place. I wanna give you just a few examples out of my life, um, not because I have this figured out. Uh, in fact, I'd rather give you some more powerful examples from the lives of people that know me, that are in this room, that I know and love. But the reason I don't wanna use their stories is because their pain is their journey, and I don't wanna use their pain as 
an object lesson for us. So I'll just use some of my pain, okay? So I'll just, I'll talk about way, the ways I've experienced some of this pruning. I'll give you some categories to think about the way that the Father brings his hand close to the core of our lives to bring about a harvest of righteousness. Sometimes he does this by removing people in our lives and from our lives in such a way that we will be more dependent on him, that we will know him better, that we will love him, that we'll walk more closely. I've had this happen in so many ways. Remember, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying God's gonna come in and kill somebody in your life or, or, or punish them. That's not all what I'm saying is I'm saying sometimes God will lovingly bring distance in relationship, even relationships that feel good, in order for your heart to more deeply long for and be connected to Jesus. So I'll give you one example just from the last year. Um, Aaron and Amy Etheridge, God taking them away to Egypt. Been friends since we were kids. Such an amazing friendship and partnership. Do I think God sent them to Egypt to prune me? No, I, I, I don't. Like, that'd be bad news for all of my friends. Like, Dave needs another lesson. I'm sending Will and Katie to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> sending Hubie and Deanna to Afghanistan. Like, you know, wouldn't that be hilarious if that's how God pruned the Claytons? He just sent our friends to random countries. Like, do I think he sent them there to prune me? No. But in them being sent, he has been pruning me. Does that make sense? In the distance that's been created in a close core relationship being taken away, God has created space in me, room in me for more of Jesus. There were times I would go and ask Aaron a question before I'd ever asked the Lord that question. I'm not saying that was sinful. I'm just saying the Lord's go like, hey, I'm sending them and I'm pruning you because I want to bring about more fruit. Sometimes the pruning comes close to the core and he removes key relationships, people, friendships in our life. Sometimes he removes possessions or things that we hold on to that are really tight and important to us. In that season of pruning years ago, um, the Lord asked Sydney and I to get rid of our house. We sold our house. We had no idea why. Some of you remember this. And it was not like we got rid of the house and then he gave us a mansion. That would have been amazing. Like we got rid of the house and then it's like, hey, go live in a college dorm for a few months and go live with your buddies and go do this. And I'm like, God, I've got three kids. What are you doing to us? You know, and there was this season where the Lord was removing some of those attachments in us. That house was not a possession to us. It had begun to possess us. And the Lord said, you've got to release it. You've got to let go of it. The house wasn't that great. It just happened to be the place we brought all of our babies home from the hospital, so it mattered to us. And the Lord's like, hey, give that back to me. Sometimes it's through people. Sometimes it's through possession. Sometimes it's through our priorities. He'll come in at the core of our life and he'll go, hey, you've given a lot of time and energy to this thing or to this group or to this direction. And, and the Lord in his kindness will remove some of last year's previous commitments in order to make room for this year's coming breakthroughs. He removes. This priority, this thing, this way you're spending your time. And I'll give you one more category. Sometimes the Lord removes a position in your life. Hey, you did a great job at that job, but it's time for something new. But Lord, where are you taking me to? I don't know. He knows, but I don't know. Here's where I'm taking you. Here's what you're gonna do. And sometimes he removes those things in us 
Because he knows that the harvest of righteousness that's coming cannot come unless some room has been made in the branch of your life. See, pruning is a key part of every Christian story as we walk with Jesus. Although all pain is not pruning, all pruning is painful because it cuts so close to the core of who we are. Number four is the greater the potential harvest, typically the more severe the season of pruning. The greater the harvest that is to come, the more intense the season of pruning is that precedes it. And it's true in two different times in the vineyard. This is really fascinating to me. When, when a vine and the branches that are connected to that vine are really young, a good gardener, a good vine dresser, typically will not let a vine produce any fruit for three years. It'll cut off almost all the fruit. Do you know why? Because the, the gardener knows that unless the vine has a few years to get strong enough, it will break under the weight of its fruit one day. Which I think is really interesting. How long had Jesus just spent with the disciples? Three years. I believe this is why Jesus in verse three says, hey, already you've been cleaned up a bit. You've been pruned up a bit. That's the, word, the language he uses. He goes, by my word, he goes, I've spent the last three years not letting you bear much fruit. You're about to bear a whole lot of fruit. And so in the early years, there's typically a lot of removing, a lot of cutting away, a lot of peeling back of your core identity. When you become a follower of Jesus in those early years, it feels like the Father's hand is on you constantly. But there's a fascinating thing about the vine that you may or may not know, is the older the vine gets, unlike so many plants in the fruit kingdom, if that's even a thing, the older the vine gets, the greater its potential for an abundant harvest. A grapevine can actually produce far more grapes in its latter years than in its early years, but in order, to produce, in order to produce the greater harvest, it has to go through increasingly more severe pruning year after year after year. In fact, the older the vine, it becomes pretty common that the vine dresser will cut it back 90% year after year after year in order for it to hold the fruit that it was designed to hold. Guys, this is why I believe it is a, a lie from the pit of hell for you to believe that your best years in Jesus happen in your 20s. It is a lie from the pit of hell to think that your best years in Jesus happen in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s. I believe that your best years in Jesus are supposed to happen at the end and not at the beginning. He saves the best wine for last, but in order to get to the good stuff in your latter years, you have to surrender to the process of pruning all along the way. And the greater the harvest, typically the more severe the season of pruning. This is why the older people in your life typically fall into one of two categories. I want you to think about some of the 80 and 90 year olds that you know in your life. Typically, they fall into one of two categories. This is too broad of a brush to paint with, but we don't have a lot of time. Typically, they are either selfish and angry and bitter and prideful with no filters in their life or they're the most loving, gentle, joyful, wonderful human beings on the face of the earth. Have you ever noticed how like, like when you hang around folks in their 80s and 90s, like, like it's typically one of two categories in the church. And I go, why is that? Because those that do not learn that the Father's loving attention 
will prune them at times to bring about righteousness. Their hearts get offended to the Lord and they turn against the Lord and they try to bring about their own abundant harvest through their 401k and through all of their comfort and through all of their protecting themselves and they become bitter, angry, and selfish. But the ones who know that the Father loves them and they surrender to the yielding, they become amazing and passionate and gentle and humble and wonderful because they have gone under the Father's loving shears of pruning and he has brought about a harvest of righteousness. And I believe this is what the Lord has for us. It's the reason I get so excited thinking about this group of people 45 years from now, if we'll let the Father keep doing what he wants to do in us. That the best days are ahead when we stay connected in the vine under the Father's loving hand. The greater the harvest, typically, the more severe the season of pruning right before it. Last but not least, principle number five. Principle, pruning is essential. Pruning is essential if we are to live the life that Jesus created us to live. I love Ephesians 2.10. You are God's workmanship, his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. He prepared great things in advance for you to be a part of. John 10.10, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. The enemy has come to kill it, to steal it, and to destroy it. I've come to give you this great life. John 15, verse eight, Jesus goes, it is to my Father's glory that you would bear abundant fruit, thus showing yourselves to be my disciples. What's between where you are and where the Father wants to take you will be seasons of pruning. And it is absolutely essential that in order for your life to hold the harvest of righteousness of both Jesus' character and his work in you and through you for the sake of those around you, in order for your life to be able to bear the beauty of all of God's goodness, our hearts have to make peace with the character of a father that loves us enough to at times remove the good things that we don't want removed in order to make space for the greater things to come. I remember years ago, Sydney and I were involved in something that was so joyful, so wonderful, so life-giving, we could never have imagined in a million years laying it aside. And the Lord started calling us to some new things. And in that early season, I thought, I can hold on to both. And I remember a friend saying, hey, unless you let the father remove this thing, he will have to take it by force. But if you'll trust him and let it go, he will bring about more in your life than you could ever ask or imagine. And here we are a decade plus later, and I'm going, oh God, you are so, so, so faithful. Jesus goes, I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener, and every single branch in me, those that aren't bearing fruit, I'm gonna cut, clean up, wash, tie up. Those that are bearing fruit, he's gonna prune so that they bear abundantly more fruit, and all of this is to the Father's glory. And I go, how you respond in this season really matters, and here's where we'll end. You know, if you're in a season of pain, it's a great question to just stop and ask the Lord, hey, is this pain in my life because of sin? And he will be faithful to show that to you. 
If you're experiencing pain because of your sin, your response is to repent. <laughs> and we'll talk about that next week, but it, when, when he says, hey, this is sin, you let that go, you turn from it, you repent, and Jesus begins the work of bringing about restoration in your life. But if he reveals no sin to you, and you go, I'm in this season of pain, I humbly and lovingly just say, it might be possible that you're in the season of being pruned. And how you respond in that really matters. I just wanna encourage you, don't, don't run from the Lord. Don't build up a barrier of resistance in your heart to the character of the Father and what he's doing. I wanna encourage you to do what Brandon spent 35 minutes talking about last week. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. What do you do when you're being pruned? It's the word that we see all throughout John 15. You don't run, you don't resist, you remain. You abide. You stay put in Jesus. You get close to the other branches. You get tied up and bound up in the context of godly community and you say, Father, I'll sit here under your loving hand until you're done removing all that needs to be removed so that you can bring about a harvest of unbelievable righteousness. And guys, here's the beauty of John 15. Jesus is talking to these guys, not in a classroom, not through a TED Talk, not over a Zoom call. He's literally himself under the hand of the Father's love being pruned in the moment he's talking about pruning. He goes, the Father's about to take all of you away from me for a bit. He goes, I'm gonna lose my life. I'm gonna lose my health. I'm gonna lose my status. I'm gonna lose my position. Jesus knows he's getting ready to go under the hand of the Father's loving pruning and he's talking about it in real time. And what were his prayers in the midst of his pruning? In the garden, he said, Father, if there's another way for you to bring about the fruit without me drinking this cup, would you bring about it another way? And he goes, but not my will, yours be done. That's the prayer of someone that understands the character of God in the midst of pruning. On the cross, when his arms were stretched out, dying for the sins of all of humanity, <laughs> What was the prayer of his heart when he was going through that place of pruning? His prayer was, Father, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them and into your hands I commit my spirit. How do we pray when we're being pruned? Father, if there's another way, do it. Not my will, yours be done. Father, if there's another way, but into my hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands I commit my children. Into your hands I commit my job. Into your hands I commit my finances. Into your hands I commit my future. And I believe that you will bring about a harvest of righteousness for his glory and your joy and the good of all those that'll come after you. And that that fruit would last. And so I wanna invite you to stand up right now. We're gonna receive communion as you receive the bread and as you receive the cup, as we think about the places where the Father has pruned and is pruning, literally as you take the body of Christ and the blood of Christ into you, I want you to be reminded that everything good in your life started at his day of pruning. And just to receive that goodness. So I just invite you to put your hands out in front of you with open hands. Father, we release into your hands our plans, our control, our vision of the world, we release all of it to you. Forgive us for the, for the seasons where we hold on so tightly to the things that you're trying to remove in order to bring about an abundant harvest of righteousness. Father, this morning, if I said anything 
that was not from you that would create a seed of offense against your character, Jesus, would you yourself pluck those words out of our hearts and our memories immediately? And God, anything that was from you, would you let it bear fruit in the right season, in the right times, in the right ways? May we know your love as you put attention on our lives in this season of prayer and fasting. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray and give thanks. Amen. Hey, I love you. Let's come forward. Let's receive communion. You can circle up your chairs. You can talk. You can pray. If you're in a season of pruning and need prayers from your brothers or sisters, invite them to pray. There'll be men and women at the Respond Banner. We'd love to pray with you today. I love you so much.